Welcome to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. I'm Nate Rudgenball, Digital Advisory Leader at Cherry Beckert. And today on the Risk in Review Podcast, we are kicking off a two-part series discussing anti-money laundering model validation and model optimization. The conversation will provide insight into the importance of using a methodology, data capture, and execution within the context of AML optimization and validation. This podcast provides an outline of the AML validation components a financial institution should review to ensure the accuracy of the AML data and alerts and compliance with regulatory requirements. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the significance of having a validation and optimization methodology for AML models. Joining me today are our AML authorities, Audrey McGinnis, Dan Gallagher, and Alan Swan. Welcome. Let's start with the obvious question. What is AML model validation? And why is it important for financial institutions? Audrey, would you care to shed some light on this? I'd be happy to. So the short version is that we want to make sure that the models are operating as they're intended. The AML model systems, they're very highly configurable. And a lot of organizations and institutions will say, why do I need to do a validation when the vendor who programmed, they did their testing. Why do we need to do testing? So the vendor is testing how the application works itself, but then with your particular data and the alerts that you have in place, it needs to be validated that the right data is coming in and the alerts are firing as they're intended. So the why as to why you wanna do it there's all kinds of regulatory issues as far as if you're not reporting the suspicious activity and you're missing anything, you want to make sure that you are fire, you're seeing all these alerts and that you're not missing any. And then from an efficiency standpoint, you want to make sure that you're not getting too many false positives and overburdening your staff. Alan, do you want to expand on that? Sure, love to. Um, I think, uh, you know, the methodology provides a uh, baseline process with documented standards and controls that are executed regularly. It ensures that the AML is monitored effectively, adheres to the OFAC list requirements, and maintains transparency for external stakeholders to review, which is very important. Additionally, the methodology includes testing components to demonstrate that the model is performing as intended enhancing the overall effectiveness. So having a well-defined methodology is also crucial in demonstrating to senior management and regulators how the institution AML modelers are performing against those ex their expectations. It ensures that model development is aligned with the intended use and provides a consistent approach to assessing and enhancing the model's effectiveness. By adopting a clear methodology, with, of course, defined deliverables, institutions can effectively manage the validation process in a thorough and understandable way, which is a key component, making it understandable. Thank you, Alan. What areas does AML model validation typically focus on? So the validation typically focuses on transaction monitoring system, the OFAC sanction and watch 
list screening and also the customer risk scoring. Now, some of the AML systems also include a fraud monitoring system, so those can, can be combined together as well as part of the validation. Thank you, Audrey. What makes an effective validation framework? The OCC provided guidance where the framework should evaluate the conceptual soundness of the model, which is basically making sure that it's the correct data being used and the alerts are firing as intended. And then you also should be including ongoing monitoring, which would include the process of verification and benchmarking. And then also outcome analysis includes backtesting. These core elements play a significant role in assessing the model's performance over time. So I, I just like to add something, if I may. Um, I like to add that it's important to develop and maintain documentation throughout the validation process. This includes documenting the model's decision, the decision theory, and logic underlying the model, the master mapping documentation, inclusive of the master mapping documentation, to ensure accurate data input into the transaction monitoring system is needed as well. Documentation always plays a crucial role. What else should institutions focus on, Alan? Um, I think they should. They also need to focus on the establishing the model parameters, including the thresholds, the risk covered by the model, as well as defining responsibility for model oversight. It's also essential to assess the model design by identifying the institution's AML risks, such as customer type, products, services, geographic locations, and regulatory risks. This can be captured using a using a pretty standard thorough business requirements document. Operational transparency is also in, is also vital. Institutions should validate data limitations, functionality, inputs, outputs, scenario designs, mapping, and data integrity to ensure the model is performing as intended. Additionally, calibration and rule tuning should align with the bank's risk appetite. Defining policies, procedures that cover the regulatory framework, roles and responsibilities, and compliance oversight is also also, also pretty pretty critical, crucial, as you can imagine. Enforcing valid rules and regular, regularly evaluating OFAC filtering programs are important steps to maintain the effectiveness of the model. Uh, thank you, Alan. Um, Audrey, can you please tell us about the challenges that institutions face in this area? Certainly. So the OCC 2011 guidance on modeling and risk management, that um, identified that institutions need to do proper validation, but it also enforced the segregation of duties where it's requiring that whoever is doing the validation cannot have access to the BSA AML model system and also should not be responsible for the BSA AML program. This becomes a challenge, especially for small to mid-sized organizations because you don't really usually have enough staff who has the knowledge both of BSA AML and the IT or data analytics type of analysis to make sure that all of the data is firing and perform the validation. Thank you, Audrey. What about guidance and regulations for AML model validation? Is there anything we need to be aware of? 
Um, the OCC letter that I referenced in the previous question is the primary guidance for AML model validation. There have been additional guidance releases since then. The FDIC, FRB, and NCUA have adopted the supervisory guidance, and there has also been additional guidance issued in 2021 by the Joint Federal Reserve, FDIC, and OCC. These regulatory bodies continuously update these guidelines to enhance model risk management practices. Thank you, Audrey. Are there any specific state-level requirements for institutions? Um, yes, there are. Institutions regulated by New York Department of Financial Services fall under NYDFS 504 rule. This rule includes not only the AML model validation, but also pre and post implementation reviews and IT general controls around the environment hosting the AML system. It adds an extra layer of requirements to ensure comprehensive oversight of the AML model is in line with regulatory framework. Institutions not falling under NYDFS should consider to at least understand and evaluate the impact of this regulation as it is a foreshadow as to what's to come from the federal level in the future. Thank you. What are the benefits that financial institutions can gain from performing AML model validation? Institutions are placing very heavy reliance on their AML systems to alert on suspicious activity. The models increase productivity and efficiency. However, doing the model validation makes sure that it's working as intended and is as efficient as it can be, not to mention the regulatory requirements. We had the OCC guidance that I mentioned from 2011, and that took several years up to, like, say, a decade until it was became a requirement. So now regulators are really making sure that everyone is performing these model validations where in the past it was more of kind of like a luxury to do it. And not to mention also the fines. If you're not reporting your suspicious activity, there are hefty, hefty fines related to that or MRAs that could result of missed suspicious activity. Thank you. And what about cost-related benefits? So I, 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 this one I find interesting. If we all remember back to the days when prior to models, AML models, and there were 12, 15 reports, people were reading with hundreds of pages every week and sifting through it. And then you get a, little, a lot more efficient by just implementing the models and putting those alerts in front of your compliance team. Now, as you fine tune and optimize these systems and make sure that the alerts are firing as efficient as possible, the cost benefit is to the compliance team where they can focus on genuine alerts rather than sifting through hundreds, if not thousands, of false positives. Thank you, Audrey. Now, I'm sure our audience is keen to learn how organizations can ensure that the collected data is accurate and relevant. Dan, what steps would you recommend? Yes, thank you. Uh, to ensure data accuracy and relevance, organizations need to establish a robust data management process. First and foremost, it's crucial to capture data that is relevant to the investigation process. This means identifying specific data points required to meet the organization's objectives. So essentially, the data collected should directly align with the goals of the organization? Exactly. 
Organizations should have a data governance and management process in place to confirm the relevance, manageability, and understanding of the data. This process should include validation under consistent guidance to ensure data accuracy. One effective way to achieve this is to integrating transaction data directly into an anti-money laundering or AML model for timely analysis. To expand on that, um, you're going to hear a lot of definitions and talk about data governance that I know some of the people listening to might not be familiar with. But when you're doing your vendor management process to choose a vendor for this AML model, um, this will be something they'll discuss with you through the process. One thing to think about would be looking at it from an examiner or an audit perspective where they might not be documenting to the standards they want to see. Um, so just something to keep in mind when you're gathering your documentation related to data. Thank you, Dan. What is the benefit of integrating the data directly? Integration allows for quick and efficient analysis, which is crucial in today's fast-paced business environment. Another important aspect is establishing a baseline reference point by defining the data and its intended use. This provides a consistent framework for understanding and managing the data effectively. So organizations need to define the elements of data they collect and gain consensus on their definitions? Correct. Defining the terms used and creating a glossary of these terms is essential for maintaining clarity and consistency. This glossary should be regularly updated as new terms and concepts emerge. By doing so, organizations can ensure that everyone understands the data in the same way. Well, it sounds like a comprehensive approach, but what role does senior management play in this process? Senior management support and involvement is crucial for successful data government governance. Data issues that can't be reconciled should be escalated to senior management for resolution. Their support provides the necessary authority and resources to address data-related challenges effectively. So senior management's involvement helps to address complex data issues that may arise during the process? Correct. Their expertise and authority ensure that data quality is prioritized throughout the entire process. It begins with ensuring accuracy of the original data input into the system and extends into ongoing monitoring and maintenance of data quality. Thank you, Dan. Alan, over to you next. Could you explain how to execute model optimization effectively, please? Sure, I'd love to. I think uh, the first step is uh, a periodic calibration of the models. This calibration is achieved through various analysis, such as the data profiling um, and above the below line testing and threshold analysis, if you will. The by an analyzing the data and leveraging insights from previous calibrations, we can fine tune the model parameters to improve their alignment with the actual results. That's interesting. Could you please elaborate on the statistical methods used to combine model outputs and investigative results? Sure, love to. Statistical methods play a crucial role in model optimization. By combining the outputs of the model with investigative results, we can then assess the model's performance and identify the areas where there needs to be improvement. Various statistical techniques, such as regression analysis, can be used to analyze the relationship between the model's outputs and actual results. This analysis helps us backtest the model and retune its parameters to achieve better alignment with the real-world outcomes. Alan, thank you. Dan, how do we know if the model is effective? 
Yeah, one of the key considerations is managing the number of false positives generated by the model. Too many false positives can overwhelm investigative resources and create unnecessary burdens. Therefore, during model optimization, we aim to reduce false positives to a statistically reasonable range. This means finding a balance that maintains operational efficiency while still capturing exceptions effectively. Thanks, Dan. Well, finding that balance is essential indeed, but Alan, how can that be achieved? I think um, reducing false positive by maintaining exception capture capabilities requires a, a thoughtful approach. During model optimization, we analyze the historical performance of the model and fine-tune its parameters to strike the right balance. This involves adjusting thresholds, reviewing rule effectiveness, and leveraging statistical techniques to ensure that the model's outputs align with the desired operational efficiency. It's a continuous process of monitoring, analyzing, and adjusting to optimize the model's performance over time. Thank you, Alan. Well, remember folks, optimization is key to ensuring the effectiveness and efficiency of your models. Let's talk about establishing controls for AML models. Audrey, do you wanna take this? Sure. Establishing controls for AML models is crucial for maintaining the integrity of the models and ensuring their effectiveness on an ongoing basis. These controls govern how the models are managed, populated with data, and monitored for suspicious activities. By establishing and documenting these controls, financial institutions can ensure that the AML models remain accurate, reliable, and in compliance with regulatory requirements. Thank you, Audrey. Can you please explain how these controls contribute to maintaining the model's integrity? Controls help in managing the model through its life cycle, from initial development to ongoing monitoring. They dictate how the model is populated with relevant data, how it is calibrated and optimized, and how it is validated to ensure it continues to perform as intended. By establishing controls, financial institutions can implement a structured process for managing and maintaining the models. This includes periodic validation to assess their performance and accuracy. Through effective controls, any necessary adjustments, calibrations, or optimization can be made to ensure the model remains effective in detecting suspicious activities. It also helps in identifying and addressing any issues or deficiencies that may arise during the model's lifespan. In addition to maintaining accuracy and compliance, these controls also provide transparency and accountability. They allow financial institutions to demonstrate to regulators, auditors, and senior management that they have a robust process in place to manage and monitor their AML models. This helps build trust and confidence in the institution's ability to effectively combat money laundering and terrorist financing. Furthermore, documented controls provide a framework for consistent model management, ensuring the best practices are followed and errors or inconsistencies are minimized. Based on the information we discussed today, how can Cherry Beckert help financial institutions ensure effective BSA AML monitoring? We offer a range of services related to BSA AML. I'm gonna run through a couple of them here. And model validation itself, we talked a lot on this podcast. In the model validation, we're gonna verify and map data between the core and in some cases, some payment systems. 
and how they map to the AML system. We have performed across many different systems, but some of the more common ones, as far as the core, would be Fiserv, Jack Henry, FIS, COCC, and then some of the more common AML systems, Verifin, FCRM, Abrigo, Patriot Officer. However, between both of those types of systems, we're probably looking at about 20 different systems that we've seen in the past. We also can review things like um, the New York DFS 500-504 testing, which includes the AML model validation, but also does pre and post implementation review and IT general controls around the AML system. We also look at alert effectiveness services that could also help with reduce reduction of false positives. Those services would include things like above the line, below the line testing, optimization, and fine tuning. And then we also do things like a look back project. A lot of times it's more common um, for OFAC where you might have to go back and retest and make sure that business wasn't performed with anyone on the OFAC check, on the OFAC list. We could perform those types of projects. There's also um, any type of new system implementation for AML. We could provide consulting AML model and alert rule setup on helping to set those, those up in the new system. Also doing pre and post implementation reviews on the new system or um, a full model validation, usually at least six months after the go live on the new system. And then, of course, we also have other BSA-related services, which I won't get into all of them, but some of the more common services include BSA audit, staff augmentation for backlog and alert processing, and general BSA consulting. Now let's talk about controls related to data and change management and governance. Alan, how does Cherry Beckert address these areas? Thanks, Dane. Um, data and change management, as we've outlined, are crucial for the effectiveness of, of the AML systems, BSA AML systems. By doing this, we, we help uh, institutions establish adequate controls in these areas. This includes services that review and validate that the appropriate data governance practices are in place with effective data quality checks, data lineage, and documentation. As part of this, we also provide services that institutionalize the needed policies and procedures for supporting change management process to ensure that the AML system and its rules are properly documented, tested, and approved. This is all part of our data management maturity approach uh, to help clients develop that trusted data that enables better AML development and execution, as well as better forecasting and overall decision-making. Thank you, Alan. That makes sense. It's clear that AML model validation offers numerous benefits for financial institutions. Thank you, Audrey, Dan, and Al, for sharing these insights. This is a complex compliance matter that is important to the health of any financial services organization. Given the complexity of this topic, we broke this podcast into two parts. Stay tuned for part two, where we will discuss how to effectively conduct and monitor the testing process. For more information on our risk and data analytics practice, visit cbh.com forward slash risk. Thank you to our audience for listening. As always, please like, share, and subscribe to the Risk and Accounting Advisory podcast. And thanks again for listening.